0: to join us for a very special episode today. I'm Simina. And I'm Genesee. And for those of you who are new to Daring Faith, this is a podcast designed to empower the everyday Jesus-loving guys and gals to be bold, to be different, to be set apart, living defined by Christ for a purpose and for such a time as this.
1: Yeah, so today's episode is going to be really special because we're joined by Eddie and Simina. Joe. Hey, you guys hey hello we're so glad that it worked out for us to come visit sacramento for a few days and get this recorded and we can't wait to hear from you guys so before we get started do you all want to briefly introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about you
2: yeah um first off thanks for having us we're super honored and excited to be together with you guys um uh so for those of you that don't know me my name is eddie's friend joe and um i do a couple of different things but uh One of the main things that I do is I serve as the West Coast Youth Director for the Romanian Church of God Churches. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another thing that I spend a lot of time doing is I spend a lot of time traveling. So about 20, 25 weekends a year, um, typically on a plane traveling to a church or a different Romanian community, just getting to know young people and ministering Mm -hmm. to this generation. Yeah.
3: And I'm Simidas Franjo. I'm Eddie's wife. And uh, we have two boys together, Franklin and Moses. And I'm a registered nurse. And we love people and discipling them, so... Yeah, it's good to be here.
0: It's awesome. All right, let's get right into this. So on our last episode, we had Dan Hora talk to us about mentors and mentorship, and I think a lot of people use these two words, mentorship and discipleship, interchangeably. But there is a little bit of a difference. Can you share with us what discipleship is, what sets it apart from mentorship, and maybe some similarities and differences between the two?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um those two words, they, they are very generally defined and there is, there is some overlap between the two. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, with mentorship, mentorship can be really specific oriented. For example, like I can ask somebody, I can ask my boss to mentor me Mm
4: -hmm. and I'm
2: not asking him to mentor me for my entire life. I'm asking him to mentor me vocationally or, uh, you know, a young mom can ask an older mom to mentor her in being a mother or, you know, things of that nature. Um, you can have, you know, business mentors or academic mentors or, you know, professors that'll mentor you. <clears throat> Whereas discipleship is very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example that that uh, I heard once that really separated the two uh, is in the example, um, it, it, it's an old uh, story that I think that we've all heard. You know, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, right? But mm-hmm. if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good way of defining um Mentorship, Whereas you're not just teaching somebody what, but you're teaching them why. Mm -hmm. And you're teaching them how to do something on their own, but in a very specific area.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Using the same kind of example of fish, right? uh, If you look in scripture, Jesus tells his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And there's a tremendous difference between the two because in the first example of, uh, you know, being taught how to catch a fish, it's specific uh, in orientation it's the task of catching a fish and the second example Jesus is saying you have to abandon what you have you have to deny yourself take up your cross you have to follow me there is a surrendering Mm -hmm. and then a pursuit and Mm -hmm. then it becomes very very holistic you see mentoring can be specific in orientation but discipleship uh, costs much more discipleship is your entire life it's something where a disciple maker looks into a disciple's life and has access to um, the majority of their life if if not almost every single aspect because it, it, uh, it requires not just the sacrifice of letting go, but it also requires the sacrifice of following. And I'll, I'll give you some examples because I was kind of thinking through this um, a little bit earlier today. Yeah. Um, Disciple making is holistic, whereas uh, mentoring can be very general or specific. Um, another example that's different between the two is everything has to be done in love. Mm-hmm. A mentor can mentor somebody and he doesn't have to love that person. But a disciple-maker has to love his disciples. And we find that exemplified in Christ and also in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, right, where um, Paul is talking to the church in Galatia and he's talking about all the different kind of laws and traditions. And right at the end, in the NIV, he says, so neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters. All that matters is this, which is faith being expressed through love. And so what we believe, our faith, has to be expressed through love. And so even in in disciple-making, there has to be a, a deeper relationship and, and a loving relationship that has to exist there. I have to care about my disciples if I'm gonna be a disciple maker. Um, and another, another difference, for example, is the disciple uh, the disciple maker has to put his life forward to the disciple, or to mm-hmm. the, the, the disciple. Um, in a mentoring relationship, I don't have to reveal my life. But in a disciple making relationship, we do life together. Mm. So my disciples know things about me that other people don't. Yeah. You know, if you look at the disciples and Jesus, the disciples were with Jesus all the time. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. So they knew things, intimate things about Jesus that nobody else knew. So there's a greater cost for the disciple and for the disciple maker versus mentor-mentee. Another big difference, for example, is a mentee will always guide the relationship and guide the process of mentorship. Mm -hmm. So a mentor is on the defensive all the time. So a mentee will pursue the mentor and say, hey, can I ask you a question, for example, let's say about child raising. Hey, uh, you know, my kid's acting up. What do I do with X, Y, or Z? And the mentee will be there to give guidance and give kind of direction, speak into their life. But the mentee, uh, the mentor is not the one who is initiating the conversation. It's the mentee mm-hmm. that is.
4: Right.
2: Whereas in making disciples, what's different is the disciple maker will be the one who is initiating the conversation. A disciple maker will sit there and and have conversations with the disciple and say, hey, let me ask you about something that maybe the disciple doesn't necessarily want to talk about. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a whole axis to life, you know, shining a a light into some corners that maybe you don't want to necessarily look into. But some things that are similar between the two is a mentor and a mentee both use the framework of relationship uh, um, as a disciple maker and a disciple. Uh, a, a mentor and a mentee and a disciple maker and a disciple. Also, um, you know, there is, there is uh, the desire for good for the mentee or for the disciple for furthering their life in one aspect or another. Um, but I do think that these stand in stark contrast. I have mentoring relationships with people And I have disciple relationships with people Mm -hmm. and they are very different one from the other. The mentor ones are initiated by them. The uh, disciple making ones are initiated oftentimes from one of two places, either from what the Holy Spirit speaking in me, right? What God's nudging me about things that I see as the Holy Spirit leads me. But two, and I think this is more important than anything else. I am not the one necessarily making the disciple. I'm coming alongside of the Holy Spirit who's doing the work inside of them. So as disciple makers, we plant and we water, but it's God that gives the growth. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, you know, let, let's say, you know, Simina, you and my wife have a, a you know, disciple-disciple-maker relationship. Mm-hmm. Simina is praying about, you know, God, what are you doing in Simina's life? Yeah. You know, what's happening inside of you? And, you know, where's the Lord leading Simina to speak into your life? And so our job as disciple makers, all of us, is to come alongside what the Holy Spirit's doing and the Holy Spirit's the one who's doing the work. So you can see how there's... There's a lot of differences between the two, even though there is some overlap.
3: Yeah, It's a lifestyle.
2: It really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: It's literally your entire life is now involved in another person's entire life. Mm-hmm. Right. And they kind of merge together in doing life together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, can I ask a yeah. question? Um, would that also apply in the sense of just hanging out with the person and... Just, you know, having fun. Yes. It doesn't always have to be...
2: No, that's good because I think that there's a huge difference there as well. A mentor and a mentee, their relationship exists around the mentorship. Mm -hmm. So often I don't have to get to know the person to mentor them in a specific task or area or skill. However, when it comes to disciple making, you're really doing life together. Mm. And so like we we have our disciples in our house um, easily four times a week for the last 15 years. Wow. we do life together. Mm-hmm. We really do. There's no, uh, you know, there, there's few aspects of my life that they're not aware of that they don't know about. And there's few aspects of their life that I don't know about, but we we're doing life together because that's what we see exemplified in scripture. And, um, what ends up happening is, you know, they'll come over all the time and we'll cook together or we'll build something together or we'll, you know, uh, do yard work together. I'll go over to their house and we'll do something else or, you know, it it doesn't really matter, you know, what the subject is, it's just about spending time together and loving one another. And it's, it's funny, because if I get together with a person, and I go, hey, tell me, you know, the problems in your life, it's gonna be a real awkward conversation, Mm -hmm. right? And what's funny is when when we try to create community intentionally, community oftentimes doesn't happen, you don't end up bonding. But if you get people together on mission, then community develops naturally. So what will happen is I'll get together with the young men or the young women that, you know, my wife and I are discipling. We'll get together with them and we'll cook together or we'll go and we'll do some sort of activity together at church or we'll, you know, prepare setting up all of the chairs together. And somewhere in there, typically what will happen is we'll get to know one another. We'll go out to, you know, dinner together and then run back to the event or whatever. And then somewhere in there, they'll pull us aside and say, hey, man, can I bounce something off of you? And then that's where that relationship develops naturally, you know, and so. It's it's an old saying. It's something that I'm sure we've all heard before. It's cliched, but it really has a lot of value. That saying that goes, uh, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. And I think that it it has tremendous value to understand that you know if you don't (coughs) love people, this is going to be a job. And a job like mentoring a mentee oftentimes will have limitations.
4: Mm -hmm. I
2: you know I'm available from this hour to this hour. You can call me. I'm only going to spend this much time mentoring in you but my disciples I love them and if they call me at three in the morning I'm dropping what I'm doing and I'm gonna go and and pick them up wherever I find them because Mm -hmm. that's what what happens when you when you have spiritual sons and daughters it's very different the two right
1: right um so we also asked this question in regards to the mentorship episode but do you believe everyone needs to be discipled are there any biblical examples of discipleship you can share with us
2: yeah, so uh, does everyone need to be discipled? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 is the Great Commission, right? Where Jesus says, uh, go out to all the world and make disciples. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say make converts. He doesn't say, you know, you have to do one thing or another. He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that, you know, he's taught us or he's taught, you know, his disciples. And so what I love about the Great Commission is that it is not conditional. It's not go and make disciples after you finish seminary. Mm-hmm. It's not go make disciples after you've spent 10 years being a Christian. It's go and make disciples. So that is a command that is an unconditional command. Somebody who got saved five minutes ago and somebody who's been walking with the Lord for 50 years, it is an equal command to both. Mm-hmm. Now we can make arguments about needing to be a disciple before you make a disciple, and that's you know a whole different thing. But um yeah, no, everybody should be pursuing discipleship because it's part of the Great Commission for all Christians. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we talk about going out and witnessing. And telling people about Jesus without a follow-up, even if somebody gives their life to Jesus and then we abandon them, for example, that's not what I find in Scripture. What I find in Scripture is telling people about Jesus, helping them walk through their faith, coming alongside of them, and then discipling them through that process. Um, What was the second part of your question?
1: Um, Are there any... No, you already
2: gave a bit. Oh, biblical thing. examples. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh. So, sorry, I just remembered. <laughs> so, biblical examples. Um. Yeah, you can find them in the Old and in the New Testament. Old Testament, you can see Joshua and Moses. Right. Mm-hmm. It says that you know Moses met with God, and he would go into the tent, and yet his aide would sit at the tent and wait.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, they had this very close and intimate relationship. And mm-hmm. then when Moses had passed on, he passed on. You know, the ministry to Joshua, who was his disciple. Um, you can also see the same thing uh, exemplified in Ruth and Naomi, Paul and Timothy, and then Paul and Titus. Um, so you, you can see it in a lot of places in Scripture. Uh, obviously, you know, Jesus and the 12 disciples, that's a real obvious place. If you look in the New Testament, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe I am, uh, you see the word disciple used <clears throat> north of 200 times, wow. where you see the word Christian used twice.
4: Oh. Mm-hmm. And
2: so there's a big difference, I think, between... Um, professing Jesus with your lips and actually following him with your lifestyle. Mm
4: -hmm. And
2: I think that that's where we get the difference between oftentimes what we'll refer to as converts versus disciples. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we're called to make just converts who believe they're going to heaven but may not have a relationship with Jesus. I think we're called to make disciples. In fact, I think one of the greatest successes that the devil has had was convincing a lot of people that they're going to heaven. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: But that's another podcast for another time. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So you, um, you talked about this in the last question a little bit, but what are some experiences or maybe like a level of spiritual maturity that someone should be at when they're considering to disciple others? Um, and how do you know you're ready to step into a role like this? Does age matter or?
2: yeah. Yeah, great question. Um, so the command is unconditional. Now, I believe that before you can disciple somebody you obviously have to be a disciple meaning a disciple of christ for example you can't not be a christian and pursue making disciples that's silly um the greater and the closer that you walk with the lord mm-hmm. the more impact that you can have in making disciples and other people
4: yeah.
2: right and i think that there is obviously biblical precedence um, for being a disciple who makes disciples right paul says in first corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 he says imitate me as I imitate Christ.
4: Mm-hmm. And so
2: he's saying, you know, you know, those of you in the church in Corinth, follow in my in my same way that I walk because I'm walking in Christ's footsteps and I'm imitating him. And so the idea with discipleship is we have to be disciples who are helping people also be our disciples and there's a relationship that our disciples go through where they have a dependency on Christ and a codependency sometimes um Maybe that's not the best word, codependency, but they, they have a dependency on their mentor to some degree as well, mm-hmm. and hopefully they're growing spiritually to where they become interdependent yes. with with you know the disciple maker or the person who's you know speaking into their life, mentoring whatever you know word we use, you know uh, where they become interdependent and then fully dependent on Christ, you know. And so I think that there is definitely something to be said about being a disciple who can make disciples. Uh, we should have people above us, we should have people across from us, we should have people beneath us. Uh, as far as people pouring into us, people that we're interdependent with and people that we're pouring into. Mm. And I also think what has to exist is um, an understanding that age is not necessarily spiritual maturity and I'll explain what I mean there. I think it's in most scenarios, you will find a disciple maker who is older than a disciple. That is very typical. Mm. However, there are exceptions and I'll give you some. Typically, when you're younger in life, you're always going to have somebody who is older because you just don't have enough life experience, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. But as you get older, it is not uncommon or absurd or, or unbiblical in any capacity for, say, for example, a senior pastor who is 50 years old to be discipling somebody who might be 60 years old,
4: mm-hmm. but, you know,
2: just gave their life to Christ, So you see how age doesn't matter there necessarily. Or somebody who's 60 years old, you know, 10 years older, a decade older, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a senior pastor who's 50 and this guy who's maybe been walking with Christ for 50 years, but he's been walking in legalism. Mm -hmm. And he just now figured out, man, it's about relationship. It's not about, you know, rule following and all of this. So I I think that there's definitely exceptions to the rule, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it has to do with spiritual maturity rather than age. However, those two things are closely tied together and what you rarely ever see is like somebody who's 15 mentoring somebody who's, you know, or discipling somebody who's 20. That's pretty mm. odd, yeah. you know, but it does, you know, it, it can exist.
3: I think also a lot of times we go to the other side where it's like, well, I've only been walking with the Lord five years. What do I possibly know? What can I possibly do? How yeah. can I impact someone? Mm. And it's like five years is a big, a lot. that's a big amount of time, a large amount of time that grows you if you look back five years from where you were you're like wow i grew a lot yeah Mm -hmm. the lord did a lot in me if you're getting discipled if Mm -hmm. you know you're pursuing growth in five years things happen so yeah at 20 you definitely have enough experience with the lord to mentor someone that's 15 Mm -hmm. you know and that 15 year old is going to really appreciate the fact that you are taking the time to mentor them to Mm -hmm. disciple them to take the time to bring them alongside your life. For them, your life is amazing. Mm -hmm. You're, you're like an adult, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, you don't feel like you got life figured out, but you know a lot more than you did five years ago. Right. right. Especially if you're growing and pursuing that relationship with the Lord, there's a lot that you have to pour into other people. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times we just kind of take ourselves out of the game thinking, Oh, I'm still too young. I'm still too young. Well, eventually life gets really, really busy. You get married, you have children. And if you didn't start, then you have the excuse of like, well, now I have kids. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I have a house to take care of. When do I have the time? And kind of that happened with us a little bit when we first got into ministry, we were doing it together. Mm -hmm. Um, Six years later, we had Franklin, and I was thinking, well, how are we going to do this now? Um, Franklin is going to take time away. Like, I don't know how I'm going to have time to disciple people. And take care of Franklin and run the household. You know, so I was like, maybe I was talking to Eddie. Maybe I should take a step back. Um, he can continue and I'll maybe come join later mm-hmm. once the Franklin grows up. But we then were, yeah.
2: We were literally driving down the road having this conversation in our 2000 Honda Accord on Walerga. Like, I remember exactly where we were.
3: <laughs> Stopped at a gas station for email that I
2: yeah. got. Yeah, <laughs> you see me that got an email from a lady that... We don't really know. She knows you because you guys kind of grew up in the same tiny church uh, over in the sticks. And she wrote an email saying, hi, Simida. Um, I don't know if you know me. My name's so-and-so. I married, you know, this guy. Um, but I had a dream about you last night that you were pregnant. We didn't know the gender of the baby at, the, at that point. She said, you were pregnant and you're going to have a boy. And the uh, you were wondering about whether or not you should step back in ministry. We were in the middle of the conversation. Wow. And she goes, you're wondering if you should step back from ministry or not. And the Lord just wants you to know that he foresees all of this and um, that you should stay in ministry and that he's going to take care of you through that entire process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was in the middle of that conversation. And we just started crying like yeah, little babies. Exactly. We were just so overwhelmed by God's goodness that he spoke to us so specifically. We weren't even asking God to speak. We were just right. contemplating.
3: Just talking yeah. about it. And yeah. I was like, well, I guess that's my answer. <laughs> I'm going to continue. We're still going to do dis- discipleship together as a family. And, um, it's so awesome because God has provided, you know, the strength, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the will to do it and to just continue to love people. And honestly, I was thinking, well, what am I going to do? Like being a mom, these girls aren't moms yet, but I feel like that was such a big part of them realizing, oh, wow. Just because first of all, when we first got married, I was a part of ministry with Eddie. People were like, oh, you can still be in ministry even though you just got married Mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of leave the church stop attending or go somewhere else and just go missing so they saw that and then they also saw oh wow just because you had a baby you can still do ministry and i was like yeah and i think that was honestly one of the bigger things that they've learned um that just because life changes you can still be used by the lord you can still disciple people Mm -hmm. in where you are now and so I think that's a big thing that we should take from this. That at any level of life, any point um, with the Lord, there is something that people can learn from that.
1: Yeah, we originally didn't plan to ask this, but um, how do you find someone to disciple you, and how do you how do you ask them mm-hmm. to disciple you? We've uh, talked to some people who have asked that, so can you guys give us your thoughts?
2: Yeah, sure. absolutely. So whenever anybody asks um, me or that, or us <clears throat> both, you know, to mentor them or, or to disciple them, we always want to sit down and clarify, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's such a nebulous phrase and everybody has so many different definitions of it. And there isn't really a clear one definition for it that is very specific as far as methodology goes,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, that we want to we make sure that we understand what the goals are so right. that way we can be united in purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um when i'll sit down with somebody um i want to i want to ask them specifically what what they're looking for and if they're saying you know i just i want somebody to kind of bounce ideas off of you know and just kind of check in with you from time to time what they're really looking for is a mentorship
4: mm-hmm. and
2: that's yeah. fine mentorships are great they're very very great i think that they there's precedence for it biblically and i think that it's it's a very good uh community system to have you can't disciple everybody right but you can mentor a lot more people than you can disciple so if we enter into a mentoring relationship, that's fine. I'll ask them what's specifically about. And you might say, you know, their spiritual journey, and they just kinda wanna check in from time to time. Mm-hmm. That's fine. If somebody's saying, you know, hey, um, and I'll give you an example of this, um, probably in the next podcast. But uh, if somebody's saying, hey, you know, can you disciple me?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I'll sit down with them and we'll talk about what that means. And what that means is, okay, you're asking me, you're saying to me, hey, Eddie, I'm willing to let go of the fishing nets and follow you Mm -hmm. because that's what Jesus said. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm willing to imitate you and I'm willing to walk in your steps. Mm -hmm. I'm asking for access into your life and for you to make yourself vulnerable for me to know what's going on in your life as I'm making myself vulnerable as well. It's a big ask. It's a commitment, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, and that's fine if, if that's what somebody's asking. But then what we do is we engage in time and prayer because ultimately I'm not doing anything in anybody's life. It's the Holy spirit that's doing the work. Yes. And so yeah. the question is: Is does the Lord want me to come alongside the work that He's doing in that person? Will I be a help or a hindrance? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's Jesus's church, and He's the one who builds it. It's not my church. This isn't my son or daughter. It's the Lord's, right. and so we're just praying about you know, God. Is this a good fit? Almost like marriage, you know, because <laughs> you're you're making a commitment to one another. Yeah. And so, when somebody's looking for for you know somebody to disciple them, that's fine, but they have to understand what that means, and then. Every discipleship structure is different from person to person. Mm-hmm. It might mean, hey, we're going to meet once a week every week. It might mean, hey, um, we're going to check in with one another from time to time.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, or, or it might mean, uh, you know, like like this one guy that we had a great, great uh, disciple-disciple um, relationship, um, discipler-disciple relationship. Uh, we would meet together at least three times a week. He had a lot of brokenness in his life, mm-hmm. and we would meet together at least three times a week for. Uh, A little over a year and a half. So we were together a lot. And he is like a little brother to me to this day. Um, But yeah, so the process, you know, one, it depends on what you want. And then two, it's important to make sure that that's clear. And then three, if that is clear, then you guys turn on that journey together. What I do want to say is this, is most people will confuse disciple making and being a disciple with mentorship. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mentorship, it's important for the person asking uh, to be mentored, to understand that the that the burden of the relationship is on them. They're the ones who are initiating the conversation.
4: Yeah. Like,
2: I can't know what you have going on. You've got to reach out to me, mm-hmm. you know. If I don't hear from you in three months, I might check in with you, you know? or I will check in with you, you know, but it's been a while. You know, what you can't do is say, hey, can you mentor me and then expect, this is where I think people make mistakes. Uh, they ask somebody to mentor them and then they expect their mentor to like carry them through life like a backpack.
4: Mm-hmm. And that's,
2: that's just not going to happen. You know, people yeah. have their own lives and so yeah. on. But when it comes to disciple making, it is much more holistic. It is all inclusive. It means asking difficult questions and the cost is much higher. Mm. The cost is much higher for the disciple and for the disciple maker. You know, when, when you're vulnerable to somebody and you pour your life into them, they still run the risk of walking away, you know what I mean. Yeah. Or you're vulnerable to somebody as a disciple maker. You run the risk of them, you know, uh, sharing things out of your life that are you know more private. You know, mm-hmm. not that you know not sin or anything like that, but things that are more private or things that you know people might interpret the wrong way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, you, you run you run a very very big risk. So the cost is much higher, but the reward is also much greater.
1: Yeah. Uh, we know you both put a big emphasis on discipleship here, uh, which is awesome. What does it practically look like to disciple and invest in others? What type of commitments and lifestyle does it
2: require? Yeah, um, you have to love your disciples. Mm-hmm. If this is a job, you're just not going to go the distance that is required to be able to invest into people's lives. Yeah. Um, often when, when you know, we'll be traveling the country and meeting with people, uh, they'll ask us, you know, what does that look like? They'll ask the same question. And when I start to describe what discipleship is, from how I understand it from scripture, um, they look at it like, man, I'm going to have to dedicate a lot more time to this. I'm going to have to figure out, you know, how to carve out some more time to be able to invest into people and maybe they can do it like twice a week or something. And they're really looking at it, um, I think mistakenly as a extracurricular activity or as something else that you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way that we see discipleship is it it has to flow out of a loving relationship, um, not just with us and our disciples, but also between us and the Lord. Yeah. And if you love God and you love people, then everything that you do in your life is going to revolve around that.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You, you know, I think it's a mistake to try to make loving people have to revolve around my life. I think my life has to revolve around loving people.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: And I think that when you do that, then the natural byproduct of that is, okay, how can we invest more in these people and how can we spend time with them? So what that looks like practically is we'll have people in our house and we just do life together. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, right? He says, um, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. And so the goal is, is to have young people that you're you know, mentoring or, or that you're discipling to know you, to know your life, to know your walk, to know your strengths, to know your struggles, to know how you're dealing with your struggles and how you're growing in those things as well. Like, you know, I, I might say something that I regret and, you know, I have to exemplify that to my disciples where I go, hey, you know what? I was wrong with that. And I have to take ownership in that because I have to, you know, I, I have to exemplify for them not just how to succeed, but also how to fail, also what to do when you fail, mm-hmm. how to fail well, how to fail forward, how to fail, you know, quickly, you know, how to recover, how to repent. And, you know, you're trying to exemplify that in, uh, in your life and in theirs. And so it, it requires a tremendous amount of time, but there is never a time in my life where I think to myself, okay, how much more time can I carve out of my life to spend with my kids? how much more dedication can I give them? Mm. How much more time out of my life can I carve to spend with my wife? I've already given her one evening a week. Can I fit in there maybe another hour or once a month? That's silly. Yeah. It's, yeah. no, I've, I've committed my life to my wife and to my children to taking mm. care of them. And my disciples, they're not in that inner circle of wife and family, mm. but they are definitely very close. Yeah. And so, you know, we've committed our lives to, to growing them. And in another practical sense, what that looks like is a pastor who's a friend of ours Um, taught me something a long time ago. He said uh, his background's in counseling and and he's very, very good at it. And he said, you know what? Whenever you're talking with people and you're listening from a counselor's perspective, he goes, you're really listening on three levels. Uh, He goes, first, you're listening to what the person's saying, just Mm -hmm. in general, what they're saying. Two, you're listening to what they're trying desperately to tell you, but they can't figure out how to put it into words as they're walking through it. And three, you're listening to what they're desperately trying not to reveal. You're trying to hear what it is that they are very intentionally, whether consciously or subconsciously, not trying to go into. Mm-hmm. And then discipling is often a lot of time spent before the Lord praying and fasting and drawing near to the Lord and hearing what it is that God's doing in that person's life and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you to sometimes ask pointed questions or to shine a light into an area you know, in, in somebody's life where you're asking them a question that maybe they don't want to face. Mm-hmm. But by asking that question, you're forcing them to sit there and to either deny it or to say, okay, you know what? I'm willing to go through it, but I'm glad I'm not going alone. And yeah. then you go through that process together and you help them through that. Mm-hmm. You know, and letting people know that, hey, you know, I'm I'm on your side, not just what you're doing, like let me let me disciple you. No, but why you're doing it. Hey, here's what I wanna see in your life. I, I wanna see you grow. I wanna see you succeed. I don't wanna see you, you know, end up, you know, being some you know, some person with regrets in your life. I want to yeah. see, you know, the desires that God has for you fulfilled in your life, which I believe are your desires as well. And so, when you can come together, united, kind of in this, in this, you know, same goal, then what ends up happening is, you know, people start opening up and working with you and saying, "Okay, I'm I'm willing to take this scary step," because you know the goal is to to get to where we want to get to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure you guys have um, a ton of stories and testimonies to share, but are there a couple? of these, of your experiences discipling over the years that you can share with us and how has God been working in that?
2: Yeah, uh, discipleship costs a lot more than mentoring and we've said that before. Mm -hmm. Um, It really requires opening up your life and investing a tremendous amount of time, energy, effort, which is an easy price to pay when you love somebody. Um, The risk is great the reward is great, but sometimes, you know, the failures or the, the poor decisions that your disciples make are just as difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that I've had times um, sitting at my dining room table where we've had many, many conversations over the last, you know, 15, 20 years now, um, where we've sat there and had conversations with people where we've had some dark days. Days where we sat there with disciples that we had been working with, that they fully understand their problem, they're fully teachable, but they just you know don't want to do the work or something along those lines, uh, or they're too scared to make that decision, and uh, times where you know the Lord had had given us, um, had 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 you know had given us uh, a challenge to challenge them, and um, to give them an ultimatum.
4: Mm-hmm. I
2: remember one time in specific where we were sitting with a young lady. And we had told her, we said, look, um, we can't continue in this relationship Mm -hmm. if you don't want to make these decisions Mm -hmm. because, you know, and and it's fine if you don't, you know, it's your life. That's totally fine. But we can't continue forward in this relationship because you're actively choosing to live in sin at that point in time. And, you know, there's, there's nothing more that, you know, we can necessarily, tell. we can't help you navigate through a life of sin. That's not anything we can help you with, you know? And I remember that night, man, I couldn't sleep all night. You know, all night long, I was just worried that she would make the wrong choice. And the next day she met with us and said, you know, I've, I've made this decision she made the right choice. And I can tell you today that we are so proud of this young lady. So, so very proud of her.
3: Her life has changed.
2: Absolutely changed. Yeah.
3: Completely different than where she was headed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's able to look at herself and say, you know what? Um, I like, I don't even know if I knew who God was beforehand, but like, I want to live my life for him now and everything I do revolves around that. And that's really the goal, you know? Yeah um we've had other people like this other young lady that we mentored for over a decade we're very very close to her um she was like a daughter to us and after a decade we had come to find out that she had been living a secret double life that she wasn't Mm -hmm. revealing Mm -hmm. and for some reason the lord didn't quicken us to it at all and we didn't catch it Mm -hmm. and i also think that you know when you love somebody you kind of let down your guard and you're very trusting i'd built you know a a bridge of trust for many years Mm
4: -hmm.
2: and when it came out we were, we were horrified, you know, finding out that she had this double life. And at that point in time, she just doubled down in her poor decisions. And yeah. she said, you know what? I don't, I don't need you guys in my life. I'm going to do this. And then she just went off in that direction. And her life is not, um, you know, not, not what we had hoped for her at yeah. this point in time, which is, you know, that's fine. Everybody has, you know, the right to make their own decisions. But I'll tell you, as much joy as we had with that first experience that I explained... Mm-hmm. is as painful as the second one was. Mm-hmm. To this day, it's still a wound that we think back on because we still love that person. And it mm-hmm. still hurts, you know? So there's a lot of vulnerability. But I can give you another example. Um, a young man that entered into a um, mentoring relationship uh, with, with me specifically. His name is James. He's a good guy. Uh, he it's was at camp, actually. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not mentoring. No, a discipleship. <laughs> uh, a discipling relationship. Sometimes we we confuse those words, but uh, a disciple relationship. um, Yeah, this was quite a few years ago, um, but James had a really, really um, just an upside down past. And he was just really struggling with a lot of different things in his heart and in his identity. And I remember um, we met at a coffee shop, and what ended up happening was uh, he just kind of came off the cuff and, and he was like, You know what, man, I don't like your church. I don't like you know, the uh, ministers, like Christians and he just kind of went off. And I was like, dude, I haven't seen you since you were like five years old because he had moved away for many years. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I don't know where this is coming from. And, you know, as, as a minister, you try to, you know, put on your velvet gloves and try to, you know, deal with a person because, you know, clearly they have some, some animosity and frustrations and so on. Yeah. And I just, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me very clearly. He just had to rebuke him. And I was like, all right, time to take <laughs> these gloves back off. And, you know, and I was like, James, here's your problem. And I just told him straight what I felt the Lord telling me to tell him. And I remember him sitting there and him going you know, man, I don't, I don't, uh, (laughs) he goes, you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to be tough as a guy in front of my friends, but if it wasn't for people around me right now, I'd have tears on my cheeks. Cause what you said just cut me all the way to my heart. And he goes, I need to go outside. I need to step out and just take a breather. Mm -hmm. And it was like that word, uh, you know, where it says the word of the Lord is sharper than any two edged sword piercing Mm -hmm. through the you know, the vision of, of bone and marrow, right, and and as a discern of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, mm-hmm. it was like it was like the Lord was just speaking to him and just cut right to his heart, right past all of his excuses, right past all of his arguments, and um, I was like, well, hey, you know, if you ever want to come by my church, you know, this is where we go to church and stuff, and he's like, I'm never coming to your church. This was on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to next Sunday morning, who do I see at church? It's my boy James, and uh, <laughs> wow. it wasn't even one of those um, in a suit and a tie, nonetheless. <laughs> And uh, it wasn't even one of those, wow, I'm so glad to see you. I was just shocked. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, what are you doing here? (laughs) This is so, so weird. I didn't think you'd be here, you know, instead of, I'm "I'm so glad to see you, which is what I should have said, you know? And uh, he told me, he goes, you know, he goes all week long, I was out, you know, just living, you know, my, my life. And I was out, you know, uh, uh, partying and doing other things to try to numb me from what you said. And he goes, every single night I was out partying, every single night since we spoke. And he goes, I was just trying to bury what it was that, you know, um, you had said to me.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And he goes, every single night I just couldn't get away from this overwhelming sense of guilt that I was just really letting God down.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And he goes, so I want to meet with you today at, uh, at lunch after church if we can. And we met. And he goes, look, man, he goes, I want to give my life to the Lord. Yeah. I do. I want to be a Christian. He goes, but I won't do it unless you'll, uh, you'll disciple me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, that's what you hope for as a, you know, as a really, like you're just handing me this and I'm still like, (laughs) yes, I want to disciple you, you know? And then we had started this journey where we were on the phone every single day for multiple hours and we uh, met together at least three times a week, at least most times was about five times a week. And we did that for about a year and a half. It was never a burden. It was never difficult. I always looked forward to meeting with him every single time. And it was such a joy. Um, and I still love him to this day, like my little brother and, uh, God had done a lot in his life and we walked together. Like I know the intimate parts of his life and he knows the intimate parts of mine Mm -hmm. and, and we're, we're like family closer than family in a lot of senses. And, you know, looking at his journey where he was today, he's married to a lovely young lady. Uh, they have their own house here in Sacramento. Uh, he's a respiratory therapist. He went through college, graduated, um, makes great money and they're just, you know, loving the Lord. They both sing in our choir at our church. And oh. yeah, it's just, it's, you know, that's the story that you want every time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But um, the actual practical application of of living out discipleship involves, you know, whoever the disciple is, them letting go of a lot of things and saying, mm-hmm. hey, I'm willing to lay my life bare. I'm willing to be wide open.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, there's a lot of areas, you know, that he didn't want to talk about. You know, but as the Holy Spirit led, I would just ask him questions. i say, well, what about this? And you'd have to, you know, come to terms and face, you know, the facts and say, you know what, this is really how it is, or this is really how it isn't. And I'll tell you, the discipleship process isn't easy, because a lot of times, you know, your disciples will frustrate you. A lot of times, you're just like, (sighs) you know, Adi Budyan's a disciple of mine, and um, great guy, so proud of him, uh, today. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, in the beginning, oh my goodness, there were so many times I wanted to strangle that kid. I mean, he was so annoying, you know, in the beginning. And uh, <laughs> he knows, he knows this. We have this conversation all the time. And uh, it's funny because you know they say that you're you you haven't really become a disciple maker until your disciple have has made a disciple. That's when they've completed mm-hmm. the cycle. You know. Yeah. Because the reality of, of discipling versus mentoring is discipling is generational. So you yes. disciple a disciple who disciples another disciple. And mentoring, you don't mentor somebody who's gonna mentor somebody else necessarily. Mm-hmm. But disciple making has to multiply. And so, you know, it's funny because to this day, Adi will come with you know come to me because we're together all the time. And he's like, Man, you know, I'm discipling this guy and he's so annoying. And <laughs> often I'll sit there and I'll go. You remember a time where, uh, we were at this one, you know, coffee shop and you said this to me and he's like, Oh my goodness, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, it's a process, but you know, when you love people, you walk with them and then, and then you see the transformative process that takes place.
4: Yeah.
2: It's a lot of cost, but the reward, I'll tell you, I could have, I could have, uh, worked a different job and made money instead of spending time discipling people, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't trade all the money in the world for the journey that we've been on and the adventure that we've had. Yeah.
3: Seeing the transformation in people's lives is worth all of it and yeah. more. It's it's why we're here. We have purpose in this, you know? Yeah. And when you find that purpose and you're meeting it, it's so fulfilling. You don't want to do anything else.
2: Mm. Yeah. I mean, what, you know, consider James's story. Man, that's not always a story, but consider his story. What would I trade that for? Yeah. A BMW? You know, I mean, it sounds so petty when you put it that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What what would I trade that for? Man, I wouldn't trade that for anything.
3: James should have been dead, honestly.
2: More than likely, yeah. Wow.
3: The way that he was going, he would not have lived to see these years. And not only is he alive, he's thriving. He loves the Lord. Mm -hmm. God has a plan and a purpose for his life, for his family's life. And it's like, we were a small part of that. Mm -hmm. That's amazing.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: What what a privilege and an honor. It's not a burden to Mm -hmm. disciple people. Yeah. discipling people is not a burden at all when you love them no more than being married to my wife is a burden or fathering my kids or, you know what I mean? It's not a burden. Like Mm -hmm. I love spending time with these people that I love and our disciples are no different. Mm
4: -hmm. You know,
2: now you also have to, you know, spend time praying about it and say, God, you want me to disciple this person? There's been times where the Lord's told me, no, Mm
4: -hmm. you know,
2: there's been other times where I, you know, I I would want to enter into a discipling relationship with somebody, but there's just not enough resources. there's just not enough time. You know, I'm already discipling three different people. I can't take on a fourth. And if I do, I'm going to have to neglect my wife and my kids or my other disciples because there's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much energy. There's only so much effort you can put forward. And there's only so much will. Will is a measurable thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so you, you have to make sure that, you know, you're finding a good, healthy balance, but you find that by walking with the Lord.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, do you guys actually have any like advice or practical tips you would give to someone either stepping into a role of discipleship or being disciples? Anything you guys can think of based on yeah. your experience?
2: So anybody who's stepping into a role of discipling someone, which is, which is more than mentoring because it's more of a, of a holistic approach, right? It um, kind of covers every aspect of somebody's life.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: when you're stepping into the role of discipling, Um, the most important thing that I would urge a person to understand is your life is going to be replicated. Your strengths are going to be replicated. Your shortcomings are going to be replicated. And that becomes, you know, very, very much um, scary at times because I don't want my my shortcomings to be replicated. (laughs) You know what I mean? I just want my strengths to be replicated. (laughs) You know, so it becomes scary at times. It also becomes a point of accountability in a lot of senses where. You know what? I can't say that joke, and I can't live that way, and I can't think these thoughts, and I can't because what would my disciples say? Yeah. And yeah. they're going to replicate that in me, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the same thing like like fathering, you know, my sons. Oftentimes, I'll think I I can't I can't raise my voice because I'm going to teach my sons that this is how you communicate when you get frustrated,
4: mm-hmm. you know.
2: And so that that becomes a, a point of accountability, yeah. um, but it also becomes something that you start really self assessing.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, the way that I live has greater purpose than just you know to earn brownie points with God. Like <laughs> the way that I live flows out of you know, loving God and loving people. Yeah. And also I'm replicating myself strengths and weaknesses. So as somebody who's, you know, looking at discipleship, just be aware that, you know, what you do have in you is going to be replicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for somebody, you know, who's looking to be discipled, uh, I would actually give this advice to both. You really got to pray about it. You got to pray that God would lead you to the right person. You got to pray that that God would lead the right people to you. Um, and that, you know, you, you find the right fit. Oftentimes, when we're looking for a, a you know somebody to disciple us, which is a big ask, um, what we're actually you know maybe more in need of is just you know a a uh, a mentor to come alongside of us or a counselor or somebody to console us or mm-hmm. you know somebody to to encourage us or or you know kind of coach us through different things, which is also fine. Uh, most of the people that I disciple have also had other mentors in their lives. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And then I also mentor people you know in different places around America as well, and so does my wife. And that's more of a mentoring relationship. Discipleship is hard to do if you're not living in the same city. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult because through Zoom and everything else, all you're given is a window into their life. You don't mm-hmm. actually have access. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, All good stuff, you guys. Um, So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about in- investing in the future generation. What are some qualities you guys look for in future leaders when equipping, uh, equipping and preparing them to serve? And how does discipleship play into that?
2: Yeah. Um, when it comes to looking for leaders, I would say, uh, two specific things, uh, about that. So first and foremost, you know, where, um, Jesus is to Peter, uh, where well, he actually says to the disciples, he asks them, you know, who do the people say? I am? Mm-hmm. And the people say, you know, you are a prophet. Right. Yeah. And so on. And, and then he says, well, who do you say I am? And it's almost as if like Peter kind of pushes the rest of the disciples aside and kind of stands out and and pushes his way forward and he says, you are the Christ, right? Mm-hmm. You're like you're, you're, you're Jesus, you're the son of God. Yeah. And then Jesus says to him, you know, well done. You know, it's not the flesh that's revealed to you, it's the spirit, right? And then he gives Peter his identity, right? Where he says, and you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm-hmm. And the powerful part, there's a lot of powerful parts in that verse, right? He gives Peter an identity. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. But there's a specific part that I think that we kind of gloss over sometimes mm-hmm. where Jesus says, and you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Yes. So it's his church and he builds it. And I believe very strongly in that. So it's not it's not my ministry. These aren't my disciples necessarily. We're all disciples of Christ.
4: Mm-hmm. These
2: aren't my leaders. This isn't my Church, my organization, my structure, my hierarchy, my model, it's Mm Christ's. And so because of that, I spend a lot of time praying whenever I'm looking for leaders. There are leaders that I would have wanted and the Holy Spirit's told me no. Mm -hmm. And I realized later that I'm so glad that God told me that. Mm -hmm. There are other leaders that I thought, these guys, this guy's not going to make a good leader. Or this young lady's not going to make a good leader. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit has told me, no, 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 this is who I want in this role. Like, I can give you one example of probably one of my oldest, easily one of my oldest, maybe my oldest disciple, the person that I've discipled the longest, um, where where, uh, on four separate occasions I wanted to fire them. True story. (laughs) They they know about this. (laughs) And I remember four times I talked to God about it over the span of, you know, maybe a decade. Mm -hmm. And every single time the Lord has spoken to me in some way or another to tell me, no, 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 this is what I want. Mm -hmm. You know, the fourth time, I was literally in the middle of driving home, and I was really frustrated and, you know, gripping my steering wheel, slapping it a bit while I was just, you know, kind of talking it out with God. And I got this call from a, a young lady who God speaks through very powerfully and prophetically, um, and she just called me. She's from the East Coast, from, uh, from um, the Boston area, and she goes, hey, uh, what you doing? And I was like, oh, you know, nothing, much, nothing much. You know, it's just <laughs> angrily venting to God, you know, about my frustrations. And uh, and she goes, oh, you know what? I had a dream last night about uh, two guys, uh, a, a taller, skinnier one, I was skinnier then, <laughs> and, and a shorter, uh, a heavier guy. And she goes, it must be about you and so-and-so. And then she proceeded to tell me how the Lord wanted us to continue to work together as I'm in the middle of venting to God about this, mm-hmm. you know? And so on multiple occasions, and I'll tell you, I'm really thankful to God that I didn't follow what my wisdom would have told me. Mm -hmm. So one, whenever I look for leaders, that's the most important thing to understand is that everything falls underneath the umbrella of prayer and not prayer as like a secondary or a very Christianese answer of like, yeah, 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 we got to pray about everything. No, I mean like we really have to pray about things and Mm -hmm. we have to wait on the Lord and we have to be patient and really seek out the Holy Spirit. So that, that's the number one thing that leads me. But number two, because God's also given us wisdom and we weigh things out and so on.
4: Yeah.
2: Number two, um, I, I don't look at talent. I don't really care. Uh, I'm not that interested. Don't get me wrong. Talent is important. God gives people talent because he wants them to use that talent. Mm-hmm. But I know plenty of people that are more talented than people that I know in the church that are in the world. So talent doesn't impress me.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: What really catches my attention is character. I don't wanna, you know, if you started in life really far ahead of everybody else and you haven't done much growing from the point to where you started, Mm -hmm. I'm not very impressed. Doesn't Mm -hmm. matter who your dad is, doesn't matter what pedigree you have, doesn't matter what position you hold in the church. I I to me those things they don't they don't have a ton of weight whenever I'm pursuing finding people that are leaders. Mm -hmm. What really matters to me is where did you start and how have you grown in Christ? Do you have integrity? Do you have honesty?
4: Mm -hmm. Um, have
2: you worked, you know, through a lot of the, the flesh in your, in your body and has the Holy Spirit helped you grow towards sanctification. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that really matter to me. Integrity, honesty, um, transparency of character, pursuit of holiness. These are the things that, that I pursue in leadership skills, like leadership skills. You can teach those. You can teach Mm -hmm. those all day. I mean, according to John Maxwell, you can definitely teach those leadership is absolutely learnable. Mm -hmm. And so as far as skills, as far as ability and all of that goes, you know, that's very secondary, maybe tertiary. In fact, oftentimes our talents can become our handicaps because we rely on those instead of the Holy Spirit,
4: Mm.
2: you know? And so that's what I'm always typically looking for is people of good character and of good integrity and people that have, you know, self-propelled, meaning that they've been obedient to the Holy Spirit and surrendered to allow God to grow them in their life. And if I see where they've started and where they've arrived at so far, then I can see growth. Mm -hmm.
3: So most importantly...
2: Growth. Growth. Yeah. yeah.
3: Commitment to growth.
2: Commitment yeah. to growth. I mean, that's really it. Yeah. And even in marriage, I'd say it's probably the most important thing. And even in parenting, even in um, you know, your own Christian walk with the Lord, a commitment to growth, which is just a polite way of saying sanctification. Mm-hmm. The act and process of being set aside for a holy purpose. Your walk with Jesus and growing in it. That's what's most important.
0: Um, and before we conclude this episode, is there any other things you want to add anything that mm-hmm. ties in discipleship with leadership and you
3: know, well lots. i think in general i people don't understand that leadership discipleship just their christian walk with the lord is a way of life mm-hmm. it's not just something i do on the side i'm not um, living my life and then i'm a christian on the side and i do uh-huh. godly things i'll disciple someone for a little bit and mm-hmm. maybe i'll um do this leadership role for a little bit. It's like my whole life is surrender to the Lord and I will be a Christian and a disciple maker and a disciple for the rest of my life. Um, It's a full commitment. It's my every day. I wake up and I am a Christian. I am a disciple of the Lord. I disciple other people and anything he asks of me, I do it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like something I do part time sometimes whenever i have the time to squeeze in my busy life mm-hmm. disciple making or uh, raising other people or growing in my walk with the lord it's every day i wake up and that's my purpose mm-hmm. yeah. god has called us to live this life as a christian yes mm-hmm. being this every day yeah
2: yeah um i think i think that's where we make a big mistake jesus in Mark chapter eight, verse 34 says, if anyone seeks to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever gives his life or loses his life for my sake and the gospel will surely save it. And I think that there is such a misunderstanding that people have when it comes to having a commitment to the Lord, because he says, if anyone seeks to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It begins with the denial of self. Mm -hmm. You can't hang on to your plans and then add God into it. Yeah. You, you just can't. Mm-hmm. Because the two things are, are going to be contrary to one another. The two things will fight one another at times. And then you're going to have to pick which one do you serve. Right. Yeah. What we often try to do is we try to find some comfortable middle ground between the two. And the reality is is we can't create our version of God's will. God's will mm-hmm. is one. That's it. It's his. And we it's not a negotiation that I have with God, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's like where uh, you know Jesus was transfigured, <clears throat> right? And Jesus was transfigured, and he's sitting there with Peter, right? And then and then Peter says, right, because Jesus and then uh, uh, you know uh, Moses shows up, right, right, and 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 Peter says, let's build three tabernacles, and then immediately the other two guys leave. Jesus isn't going to share his throne of lordship with anyone else.
4: Mm. It's
2: not Jesus plus.
4: Yeah.
2: It's Jesus, and that's it. And We can't live a life that is fully surrendered to the Lord that God will walk with us in and invest in us in and grow us in unless we deny our previous lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying deny the life of sin only. I'm saying to be fully surrendered.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: I have plans for my life, but I have been bought with a price. I don't have plans for my life anymore. He has plans for my life. I have dreams, Mm -hmm. but I've been bought with a price. So I don't have dreams anymore but God has dreams for me.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, yes. things that that he envisions and hopes and you know for me to achieve and to accomplish. And so you know, I I think that that's the big difference where I think that there's a disconnect often when we talk to people, maybe not often but sometimes when we talk to people. And you know, they'll look at it and wonder how can they fit this style of discipleship into their lives and mm. you can't. You have to give your life over to Jesus yeah. completely. Yeah. And when you do that, this is the natural Response to that. You know, there's that verse right where Jesus says, If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Mm -hmm. Now, I had read that verse my entire life thinking that what that verse means is, If you obey me, then you'll prove it by obeying my commandments. If you love me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you love me. Yeah. If you love me, you'll prove it by obeying my commandments. And the way that I read that verse today, I still read it that way, but I don't read it from such a hostile, uh, sometimes, you know, legal focused kind of mentality. Um, I I don't read it as a threat anymore, you know, (laughs) you know, like, like, like my, my parents would threaten me when I was a kid, you know, and say, well, you know, if you're, you know, if you care about us and so on, then you're going to do this and do this and do this. You know, uh, if you love this family and you care about, you know, our family and so on. But, um, the way that I read it today is if you love me, then naturally you'll obey my commandments. And of course you'll obey my commandments. Mm -hmm. You know, after you had a supernatural experience with the Lord, the next day, nobody has to tell you to read your Bible more or spend more time with God. It just flows out of you naturally. And so discipleship isn't something that means to me that chose to do.
4: Mm -hmm. It
2: was a natural byproduct of giving our lives over to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when we gave our lives over completely and wholly, the natural thing that happened is, I'm so excited for the good news that we are not at war with the heavens, that we are not at war with God, that we have been reconciled, that our sins have been paid for, that I just want to share this with everybody. And that we've been healed of our brokenness and our baggage and our Mm -hmm. our, uh, uh, childhood experiences and every other thing, that we've been healed of all of that. And we're so excited, we want to share that with other people and help them experience it as well. And it's yeah. just it's just that simple. It's nothing complicated. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, I read this in a book, and mm-hmm. you know, I understood this, you know, new theology. It's nothing like that. It's just walking in Christ and hearing this and experiencing it and wanting to share it with other people. Yeah. A great place where you see generational discipleship happening, which is what we're talking about, mm-hmm. is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, specifically, uh, where Paul is talking to his disciple Timothy, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And he says. And what you have heard from me, so here's Paul speaking to Timothy, saying, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Mm-hmm. Um, so here you have Paul saying, hey, Tim, what you heard from me, share with other faithful men, yes, share it further, yes. who will then share it further than that. And mm-hmm. there's that, that generational you know, um, cycle that we're looking to replicate, but it has to be done in love and not out of obligation.
0: Yeah, and that's why prayer, I think, is such an important step in that process. Yes. Making sure that you found God's calling for your life and that you go fully into it, not halfway in, halfway out, Mm -hmm. but just really making it a lifestyle. Yeah,
2: Yeah. it's a full surrender. Absolutely. No
0: plan Bs. Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) I think we covered everything. Yep. Thank you so much, you two, again, for being here. I hope that this episode blessed all of you that are listening.
1: And again, as always, you guys can find Daring Faith on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow our Instagram page. Reach out to us anytime for topic and guest suggestions, feedback you guys have. Or again, if you guys want to say hi, we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, Have a great rest of your week. Catch you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.